2: Andy, do we need to uh, change the list of who's coming to the Warriors? Is Luca now number one target? Really, Andy? You go mute
1: right as I start recording. Thank you,
2: buddy.
3: <laughs> Fucking great.
1: There's, there's no way to start the Light Years podcast than this way, Sam. Just, <laughs> what, how else? How else are we going to do this?
2: Oh, what a uh, eventful week! I guess I got to first start by saying thank you to everyone who came to the draft show we did. Some technical difficulties on our end. We will do a actual or sorry, the draft lotto show. We'll do an actual draft show and we'll have all that figured out by then. Also, check out the Greg Olson podcast, T E one. Particularly I think Niner fans are gonna like the Tony Gonzalez episode where he's basically saying you pay a bunch of mediocre wide receivers more money than George Kittle. Why? Um, but you
1: we know, think Jarvis Landry
2: is worth the contract, you're not a that's the literally, they make, the, they make the exact same amount. And can you imagine if the NBA did contracts like that? They're like, oh, no, Steph, you're, you're really good, but we don't pay maxes to small guards, so you're going to have to get a small. Oh, wait, that already did happen.
1: Yeah, it's also- <laughs> Really late. Sam with the classic giving in himself an assist two seconds into the podcast, so. Sorry, yeah, I've been watching all
2: these all these guys are just ISOing an open run, and you know I'm I'm, I'm taking over it. Um, but we got a special guest this week. Uh, my favorite podcast guest makes makes his annual appearance on Light Years. Um, formerly from Sports Illustrated and Grantland, Andrew Sharp. What's up, man?
3: What's up, man? How you living?
2: All things considered, uh, considering we all live a very weird online life, I feel like we're actually prepared for that because we we're living an online life prior to the pandemic.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've been antisocial for several years now, so this isn't that different, I guess.
2: Built for this, not what like yeah. Lucas said or something after <laughs> hit the show. I don't out.
3: have any. I don't have any baseball takes for you here. I, I feel like you've shifted into full time, like. Uh, A's mode now, and so I I might be left out on this podcast, and Andy's tweeting about the Giants all the time. I don't know who the fuck you guys are talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, you Honestly, think it's, me neither. Believe me. You think it's weird, when, he, think it's weird <laughs> when he's talking about Trump and Pence being good, and you're like, I well, mean, I didn't see this from Andy, and then you're like, oh, Giants players.
3: Yeah, no, and you'll start referring to KD on the A's, and it really throws me off every me time. It throws me off, too. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's, a li- it's a little... <laughs> Believe me, gonna,
1: the listens don't come, listeners don't come for the baseball takes. I don't even yeah, know baseball gonna, take, honestly. We're not gonna talk baseball,
2: possible. but I will say uh, the A's paid uh, Chris Davis a pretty large contract for the A's. And literally the minute KD, Kevin Durant got hurt, he stopped he stopped being able to play baseball. Like to the day, he became a, a terrible player. Mm. So I don't know. There's
1: some weird voodoo going on there.
3: Yeah. Well, at least now I know that guy is named Chris Davis. That's why I came on this podcast. Well, well, by the
1: way, spelled K, by spelled like Chris Middleton.
3: Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? With the H too? Yes. Yeah. With a oh, K wow. and an
1: H. Very odd. Okay. And, well, Chris know. Middleton also can't play basketball now either. So it's kind of like it's. Yeah, he played, he the played same. well last game. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he at least had his redemption game, unlike uh, Good for my, him. Guy,
2: my guy Pandemic P. Yeah.
3: Woo-hoo. It's been rough all around. I will say, while we're talking Twitter, um, I'm online less these days, but I will sign on at like 11, 1130 East coast. And sometimes I'll just be kind of, I will be like incapable of falling asleep and we'll stay on until like 1am. And lately, um, Andy will be tweeting about James Wiseman and like Twitter shuts down and it's just like four Andy Lou tweets about James Wiseman. And you sort of talked me into it. Like I'm starting to believe in Wiseman as like the boshed sort of guy. Yeah. That you just bring him in. Like we could talk Warriors draft later, but like I, I think I'm a Wiseman guy now.
1: It's actually
2: we're gonna start with that
1: cause yeah, we're because we're talking more
2: because we didn't um we did the live draft show and that's on our premium feed, but we haven't we haven't given the regular feed um draft stuff since we officially found out the Warriors have the number two pick. They did not fall down too far. Um, yep. much to certain people's, uh, you know, there, there, there was, there was Chagrin. a little timeline uh, timeline, uh, existential crisis that the Warriors are going to get this great asset, which I think is hilarious. Cause I do not think the second pick in this draft is going to be anything hey. of value
1: relax. relax. But, this is why, by the way, this is why I've been gassing up James Wiseman. If you want, you know, there are a lot of Twitter GMs out there and also GMs on Twitter. If you want them to, you know, want to think that the draft is good, you got to gas up the players in the draft. I'm not going to do that for LaMelo ball. So yeah,
2: but well, you're doing, you're doing it thing. the wrong way. You gotta, you gotta make up lies about seeing him hit 33s in a row or something like that.
3: <laughs> it's pretty great because LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, like you're right to seize on Wiseman as the guy that you should gas up because I think GMs around the league are going to probably take a few years before they write him off because they'll say, all right, well, this is a big guy, takes a couple years before he learns defense. There's a chance that LaMelo and Anthony Edwards could get like three months into their season and everybody looks around at me and being like, how were these guys the top two picks? That's, like, that's, that's what I happened. think. Yeah. Well, LaMelo, especially <laughs> doesn't guard, doesn't shoot. I don't really get it. And like, there's a lot of baggage with him. I mean, I don't know, man. I, like, I,
2: and with Edwards, he he's, think he's, he's, a, like he's a, pretty much just a smooth ball handler. That's about all he's got going for him right now.
3: Yeah. And he's six, seven. Like, but I, it's funny. Like I was talking to myself into him as like a potential Sean Livingston type guy, but he like, doesn't really guard and doesn't shoot. And Sean Livingston at least could, like, hit mid-range jumpers pretty reliably. Um, I don't I, think I, he ever just... missed one. Yeah, <laughs> well, there were a couple of games where I was just like, what is happening here um, with Livingston? But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm out on LaMelo. And Wiseman is the guy at the top of the draft. Uh, Andy Lou, Wiseman hours aside, I will, like, I'll watch him and be like, you know what, at least I could see, like, a scenario where that guy is a, is a star who is, like, sort of an anchor for a team the
2: others are just not yeah and it's i mean he's he's just got all the intrigue right like three college games they were all against like d2 d3 caliber teams. so there's literally nothing you can read from any of those games like wow he he really physically dominates this six seven white kid like shocking right (laughs) so so um there's that,
1: and then um,
2: so I mean,
3: there's literally only like Andy Lou film on Twitter of him like hitting like twenty one foot jumpers.
1: The crazy, the crazy thing is, I'll have somebody hit me with like a little thirty five second video of him shooting in an empty gym uh, against no one with some masks on. That's that's <laughs> really like it, so.
3: No, 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 that's oh, a crazy. It's empty too. I love it. It's it's great. empty.
1: It's not like five people. The crazy thing. I'll hey, well, we, we were talking about it. It's, there's really nothing better than kind of a guy that you've never seen play before. I feel like we saw Anthony Edwards and we're just like, ooh, I don't, I don't know about this guy. Like, I, I don't know. But you've never seen James Wiseman. And you're like, well, you know, he could be. He might be the closest thing to, you know, Joel Embiid. I know he's not that polished, but he could get there. And it's like you watch too much of a guy. Like, I don't know. Like, Cole Anthony is kind of someone where it's like he played ooh. a lot of games. He got hurt. But he was like supposedly like a top seven eight guy. Now he's like top fifteen, and yeah, so maybe. I, yeah, maybe yeah, right. He's yeah, so, I mean,
2: some mocks have him in the twenties right now. But yeah, he he went from in the mix at the top to not so much anymore. Sharp's a huge Cole Anthony guy.
3: I, I mean, I'm a, that's, I'm why I up, <laughs> yeah. that's why I brought him up actually. that's why I brought him up actually. I just I don't want any part of Cole Anthony in the NBA. I'm sure he's a nice guy, uh, but. I did not enjoy watching him at Carolina this year. And really it says a lot about the draft that the one guy you can maybe talk yourself into is the one guy that nobody actually watched because the rest of these guys are so shaky as like, and they, they're not shaky as guys you would want to pick, but they're shaky as guys you would want to pick expecting them to be stars.
2: Right. You, you take Anthony Edwards 12th overall, and it takes him three years to be productive. It's fine. You, you bring him in as like, this is the future of our franchise and he's going two for 12 and doing like a poor Dion Waiters impression and yeah. you're, you're fired. So,
3: right. So. And, well, and, and the wizard at nine and I actually feel okay about it because like, I would like to take Sadiq Bay. I would like mm. to take Devin Vassell, like some of these kind of role player type guys who I don't need maybe 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 a little more
2: upside but yeah
3: yeah yeah a little upside and just sort of like go that direction rather than trying to talk myself into like who's whoever is there at three or four
1: who's most likely to talk themselves into number two though besides the Knicks I know everybody says the Knicks I know it's the Knicks but besides them
3: I mean, like, straight up, nobody is going to be trading for that pick and be excited about it. I think you're going to have to attach the Wolves pick next year if you're going to make any deal. And, like, that's a realistic scenario. Have you guys, like, come to peace with that? Like, you're not actually making either of those picks? I'm totally
2: fine with it if you get a player who can truly move the needle. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's – I mean, there's a million different – well, there's not a million different players who move the needle. If there was it's like nice. the same
1: five players, but yeah, but yeah, like I mean, my,
2: my point is uh, I, I'm totally fine with giving up those picks and future yeah. picks. If you're bringing in someone of value, I'm also okay with making those picks and kind of going the Celtics yeah. route where you're, you're not willing to sell low on the pick just for the sake of it and develop yeah. them and, and, you know what? If they pick Wiseman and Wiseman looks promising, he's gonna be more attractive as a player than as an empty number two pick. You also run the risk of the opposite where you pick him and he and looks he's lost. Yeah. Yeah, then you're like,
1: well, yeah, it's not I mean, I know you want it, guys. Yeah, no, no. So just don't trade him to like the Raptors. Like, don't trade the pick to the Raptors. Don't trade it to a team that's actually gonna use that pick and develop him into a star. I'm watching Norman Powell play basketball, and <laughs> I swear he was about to be out of the league like two and a half seasons ago. And he's out here. He's about to – like he's just a monster. Like he's probably going to be playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. And dude, I just
3: uh, – It's nuts. Fred Van Vliet was it, my guy. A like, hundred million dollars. season. I love that dude. But he just had <laughs> one crazy series. His wife give, gives – Not even the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Not even he the postseason. He was post season.
3: awful in the postseason yeah. before that. Then he plays his ass off for the final, like, three, four weeks of last year's playoffs. And now he's just good. Like, I would love to have that guy on my team. I have no idea how the Raptors develop guys as effectively as they do. But, like, Chris Boucher, they're just pulling guys off, like, the end of the bench. And they're all better than, like, a lot of role players throughout the league.
2: By the way, Chris Boucher and Pat McCaw, two players who slipped through the famed Warriors culture development oh. staff. Well,
3: uh, the the Raptors didn't they have McCall at some point? No, they McKinney. still
1: do.
2: Yeah. Oh,
3: do they? Yeah. Well, I, the the development hasn't worked quite as well for McCaw up yeah, there.
1: Can't, can't say can't save him. I found this interesting, Andrew, back to the Warriors. Um you and Gulliver had a conversation around Joel Embiid and you guys actually weren't that enthused about Embiid being a player that the Warriors should want, which yeah. I found surprising because that's the kind of guy that I think fits. Well, I don't know. Maybe Sam agrees, too. Fits, just fits perfectly into the offensive scheme. But you guys were just kind of like, eh, I don't know if i do it. It might not be before a good fit. We, before we system, get to that, pace. Let, me, let me preface this for the listeners who
2: um, aren't aware of what's going on, which I don't know how many that is. But um, – Philly just got (laughs) swept by the... Philly just got swept by the Celtics. Sam and Andrews, um,
1: Celtics. Hmm.
2: They're good, man. Um, And, I mean, did you see Joel Embiid's (laughs) post-game press conference? The dude was (laughs) basically asking to be traded. Um, And it it ties in with kind of everything we've heard grumblings about out of Philly the last couple years. Guys are unhappy. Certain people think embeds entitled certain people think Simmons is entitled I, it's just
3: both of them are entitled <laughs> yeah but it's just
2: like everyone's pointing a finger at like that's the root cause when really the whole thing is just a mess oh yeah and so they're the natural like I guess my gut feeling is they're probably not going to make a huge shakeup trade this offseason but like they definitely look primed to be the team where the next star player demands out of, I guess.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've been sort of connecting those dots since January on our podcast. I bring right. it up like every yep. two weeks <laughs> or so, by the way, greatest of all If anyone wants to listen over there. Great uh, podcast. And, and I, to answer Andy's question, my worry with Embiid is just like what he's going to be over the next three, four, five years. And I say that mostly as someone who's, like, really invested in who Steph is. And I want to see him prove his critics wrong. And I recognize that Golden State has, like, one more big move to make. Like, they've got these picks, and that's their chip to play. And then they're sort of, like, locked in for the next couple of years with whatever course. Duration
2: of the course contracts, basically. Yeah.
3: Right. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm curious for what you guys think. Like, do you trust – either Embiid or Simmons, or do you look at it and say, look, like we're not going to get Giannis like the, the, the perfect superstar that we feel great about and whatever trade we make, we're going to have to gamble here. And so maybe in, I think if you look at it that way, then like rolling the dice on one of those guys does make sense.
2: So let's start with some parameters here. We're not talking about trading Steph or clay. Um, Unless Although, it's for Giannis, unless it's for Giannis, sure. Exactly. But, well, but I, let's I let's saw, sti- let's stick on Philly right now. So
3: you you had you had some Twitter follower throw because out I saw that yes, yeah, feed, and I was like, fuck that. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, yeah. you
2: have to you have to be honest. That's at least a relatively fair offer. I would not do it. Also, right. Yeah. But at right. least. You know, like every time you throw out Wiggins plus two picks, (laughs) just all of Philadelphia puts out, you know. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them either because if someone's like, oh, we're just going to trade our mediocre overpriced player plus two picks for Steph Curry, I'd tell them to go to hell too.
3: We we can talk through this step by step, but as like a threshold question, one of my curiosities with you guys is like how much – has this like corroded your relationships with other fans around the NBA? Like, do they just not respond to your text messages anymore when you hit them up with these bullshit offers being like, yeah, so Wiggins and the Wolves pick Four-year superstar. It will have be you have you looked at the prospects <laughs> in
2: 2021? There's like ten exactly. Dwayne Wades coming out.
3: A lot of franchise changers in 2021. <laughs> you should feel great about this deal.
2: By the way, that's why they should change trade the pick. In my opinion, because yes, it is a more talented like uh, high school class. But there's a lot of time for you know we we said that Young same guy. thing about Wiggins and Jabari Parker. And I agree and they uh, you know even if even if the guy the Warriors end up with in the 2021 draft is one of those like is the next Jason Tatum let's just say that right Tatum's in year 3 and so what you're talking about is the guy you pick in 2021 you're hoping by 2023 he's an yeah. impact player at that point yeah. at that point Steph's 50 I don't know so <sighs> it's like it doesn't even fit your time like yes it is a piece that like you might get the Kawhi Leonard like bridge the gap to the next era type of thing. But I don't know. It seems risky. And right now I think the allure of the pick is better than what it will be. So I would shop that one Uh, to your question on on uh, other teams, mostly positive every now and then I get, you know, a a non-response and then all of a sudden my text turns green. So I know they blocked me, but it's not that (laughs) common.
3: (laughs) Cause I know, like Sam will hit me up with Warriors rumors and like potential deals. And lately they've involved the Sixers. And right. every time I redirect Sam's message to my Sixers friend, Spike Eskin, Spike will be like, get the fuck out of my face with this. Like, <laughs> I want real players. If we're trading away Embiid or Simmons, which is fair. It, it, it is. is fair. I don't blame him for reacting that way.
2: No, I, yeah, like the the things I've I've sent you have been like some sort of like Wiggins, Draymond, and, and the poo-poo platter of picks. And it's just yeah. like, I mean, yes, taking Horford's a negative asset for them. So in theory, you know, by taking that, you lower the amount of compensation you, you have to give them for Simmons or Embiid, but, but not that much, <laughs> you know?
3: Well, and what's great is like Dre at this point in his career – Works on a contender, but if you're sending him as like a piece, like a running mate with Ben Simmons, the other team is gonna be like, This is disgusting, this is insulting. <laughs> and like, I'm not Draymond
2: yelling at Ben Simmons to keep moving off ball is something <laughs> I need to see. Well, actually, not it's it would just be sad, but um, yeah.
3: I don't think Draymond could play for anyone but like the Blazers the Celtics or the like the Warriors.
1: Miami I guess would be I think Miami would be hilarious just him and him and Jimmy just doing stories together (laughs) of of them working out or whatever the fuck that they say they're doing
3: and shooting like 12% from three for the (laughs) next four years just screaming at
2: Duncan Robinson to keep moving so that he can get open (laughs) because no one's guarding them
1: shooting no one's no one's guarding Draymond at the top he's just screaming at three guys like dude you have a path to the whole i am curious because those conversations with the warriors and the sixers are uh have happened or are happening whatever it's yeah. funny because i wonder like is so is it just kirk Lakeup texting you know elton brand all day long is is that just a one-way conversation or, or yeah or like sixers, i think the
2: thing we don't like, know is like work?
1: how how high level how
2: serious are these talks Or are we talking about like a you up text being sent
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. right well and the other thing that we don't know is like How empowered are any of those Sixers guys to make a deal over the next month or two? Because I I think at this point, like as we record this Sunday night, four hours after they got swept out of the playoffs, most embarrassing team in the NBA, (laughs) every single Sixers exec is probably like working overtime to cover his ass and potentially save his job.
2: It's a good way to, to uh, not get fired or a good way to get fired would be to immediately trade Joel Embiid for Draymond Green, you know? Right. So or you're not... like
3: walk into Josh Harris's office and be like, this is what's going to save us. <laughs> and <laughs> let's restart the process. I mean, I, I don't know. It's a hard. James,
1: point. James Wiseman. That's what we need,
3: <laughs> yeah. and that's
1: what we've been working on, baby. Well, I, I guess it just depends on what Joel Embiid wants, then, or Ben Simmons. I, get, I guess I, you I s- think that's true. Let's, if, we, let's, if they want out, they're out.
2: Let's I get guess. to the. Let's get back to the uh, the the original basketball question at hand. You weren't you weren't hot on Embiid with the Warriors. Is it is that just I, because you want to see them win, with the original core, or is it an actual you don't like the basketball fit?
3: Um, I don't love the basketball fit. I mean, I think Embiid could, Embiid should, like wherever he ends up next, he is going to be in the best basketball situation of his life in large part because like that's how dysfunctional Philly has been. And we should not uh, like understate that. They don't have guards (laughs) and and really have it. Because Ben Simmons is a good, interesting player, but is not someone who should have ever been playing point guard. And he sort of demanded that. I think it was like a Rich Paul thing too. Like there were a lot of weird politics involving Simmons's role. And I think when you divorce Embiid from all of that dysfunction, he should be really good. I think what worries me is as someone who is invested in his success, like he's a guy who I like personally and I want him to, to like come through and, and be as dominant as he can be. He just like hasn't been that guy more often than not in the playoffs. And this was like kind of the first year he's been healthy. So it sucks that he was stuck with this like absolute disaster of a Sixers team. But, um, but if you're Steph, like, and and not that Steph is the one making this call, but if like, you're the Warriors, I only care about Steph. I don't think that he, I I, I wouldn't feel great betting on like Joel Embiid staying healthy through like 12, 13 week playoff runs year after year. And, and I think that should matter as they make this deal.
2: So th- that is a big concern. The, the other concern I think is Steph is, is best when you're, you're playing up and down yeah. and Embiid is, yeah. I mean, he tries to run, but like there's realities to the pace you have to play at to get the most out of Joel Embiid. So it would and, always and be he- like the awkward marriage between the two where it's like, if they're running, it's all about Steph and clay. But then if they slow down, those guys are kind of their impacts dimmed because it's all going through Embiid.
3: Exactly. And he's he's like almost never in shape and I honestly wonder whether the injury history like complicates his ability to get in shape or whether he's just not motivated. I don't really know.
1: So I think my I think my point is I, so I would I would do that. Embiid's I love Embiid. I like watching Embiid play even though a lot of times it's just my god, just a lot of foul baiting, but that's every star yeah. in the NBA honestly. So Uh, To me, it's one, he'll fix the defense. He'll fix rebounding essentially by himself. A lot of his Draymond's amazing and he was good in the finals, but it was still hard. And uh, and to me, a part of it too is you can't, you can't play the way that you played five years ago just because you're going to have different players. I think for the Warriors to adjust a little bit, and in this situation, you're still keeping Steph and Clay, however, that they get this done. And I think that they're just going to have to play a different style, and Embiid can add to that. Sam talked a lot about the triangle and a center passing. That would be Steph, Clay, and Embiid the perfect. Just, I think Steve Steve Kerr is jerking off just thinking about that right now. <laughs>
2: just the, the split the cuts stuff off of tough. an it's just split cuts off of Embiid posting. I mean, it's it's what they want to do, and I don't know you, your pointed your point is accurate. Embiid's not the most durable player, uh, and Steph's not durable either. So if they had a f- Three four year playoff run with them, you can almost pencil in one of those playoff runs being cut short because they both pick up not even serious injuries, but just like sprained, sprained my knee. Think or you something have to like take that, that, you
1: know? that risk, though. I I do feel like you have to take that risk because without it, you almost feel like, well, what what is there? I I, I mean, I guess you could just sit there and run it back. Sam, you talk about the Boston Celtics. Like, I think I was very annoyed by them not cashing the chips in and getting a star, but now they look amazing they'll probably be really good for the next like 10 years but yeah yeah Yeah, right but
3: can i ask you that like if a healthy warriors team were in the bubble right now do you guys think that they could contend for a title with the current roster they have
2: the current roster no but the current roster is steph clay draymond
1: and like damian lee Mark so so, Chris, so do so asshole. do Glenn Robinson Alec Burks then so do do those guys because then that's well I'm saying I think I think started. I think
2: a better way to put it is they could probably compete if they let's assume they swing no big trade they sign someone good with the mid level exception they get a solid player with the traded player exception but not like a game changer like I'm talking Rudy Gay level type player <laughs> you know like someone someone are like you're happy they're or in like your rotation Trevor,
3: yeah exactly. Now.
2: And then you have um, – so now you got the core players, Wiggins, couple proven solid vets, and then young guys beyond that. Um, I think that team could compete in the bubble. I, I'm not particularly impressed with any of these teams. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they're all – like I, I ran this question to Andy. I want to ask you this. Does any of these bubble teams beat any of the NBA champions of the last decade, the entire 10s? Just like don't mm. the, okay, the, the KD Warriors, no. obviously not. The 2016 Cavs, probably not.
1: No.
3: Right.
2: The, the well, p-
3: and see, this is the thing. I've been running into this all year long. First of all, to answer my own question, I think the Warriors, if you send them down there with like a decent supporting cast, they don't give away Burks or Glenn sure. Robinson third. Like I think that they could win. Um I they're they're awesome. And the one team that I would worry about is the Clippers. And the Clippers, like <laughs> haven't clicked. You called it like nine months ago, whenever right. like the regular season was happening, they carry themselves like they've already won two or three titles and I don't understand it. Uh, that's a topic for later in the show, but the, the warriors in terms of like the, their place among the good teams in the league, like I've been talking about this with Gulliver on our podcast all year. And I'm like, I end up sounding like a hater because I'm just not impressed by most of these teams. But, like, the Lakers have clear flaws. The Bucks have clear flaws. Like, their perimeter just isn't very dynamic. and Neither are their perimeters. Are stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, the Lakers perimeter guys, like, shouldn't be in the NBA or have one foot out of the league and, like, are being counted on to swing playoff games. And um, you look up and down, like, the Celtics and Raptors are both – really solid and, and harder to criticize. Like, I think the Celtics are probably a year or two away from being right. like a perennial title contender. And Tatum, Tatum
2: looks tough. like he's on his way to being like the next Kawhi or something. So when that happens, maybe they're for real.
3: Exactly. And, and the Raptors are, are there, but I, I think that they're a player or two away um, in terms of like actually closing playoff games. And so for that reason, like if this is the status quo in the league, I would feel pretty good if I were the Warriors. Now, granted, you guys are like actual Warriors fans, and so you're probably more naturally pessimistic, but like, I don't know. More focused like, on every
2: little marginal thing. Yeah.
3: Right. I, like, they, but Golden State, if they come back and just sort of, figure things out on the margins because they, you know, like they started this team this season with like half a team basically. And it was going to be a mess that, even if Steph didn't. And that out. was
2: always the, they wanted the asset so that it could be above the cap. They knew
1: that it's meant right. they could have
3: nothing. I think Sharp
1: is, I think Sharp is right, Sam. I think the problem with what we're with a lot of, at least what I think of it is, I just want them to get back to KD level of warriorism. And yeah. that's just most likely never going to happen in basketball history. And so, by recreating that, you are discounting a little bit of, well, the Warriors could probably win the title right now. Like if it, if they don't absolutely fuck totally. up who they pick up. Well, which I, I think that's your I point. I do
2: think they have a realistic chance of being the 2011 to 14 Spurs, who are great, by the way, and they did win a title, um, with this Warriors core if they hit on the margins. And honestly, I, I do think that team wins a title – this year for example and might win a title next year if they hit on all those moves. So, yeah. I think that's really well, the model for them though because like the the core warrior players are truly over any sort of um individual accolades at this point. Like all those guys feel like they've proven what they needed to prove individually. They're more focused on just trying to win another title. And I think yeah. that that leads to them being a little more bought in in a way that we associate like traditionally with the Spurs and to a degree with the Warriors in the past too. And I think that's like a huge advantage because like you're watching the Clippers, they have no clue how to play with each other. Yeah. Like Marcus Morris has actually been really good this series, but like, I don't know how I feel about Marcus Morris deciding to just ISO with Kawhi and Paul George standing there (laughs) on repeat, you know? Um, and totally. then, and then you got like, I mean, we, we can get into the Laker problems, but like they just can't shoot, they will kill you on the glass and that can win a lot of games. But if they can't, if they can't hit threes, they run into the math problem. So to say,
3: uh, yeah, well, and, and LeBron himself is really effective as like a game manager at this point but if you put him in the half court and that sounds like shade, it's not like he's amazing, still the smartest player in the league. But if you put him in the half court and ask him to like lead the offense in the, in the final five minutes of a really close game, like he's not the same guy he was, especially,
2: especially with though. no spacing. That's the thing that I think people overlooked the last few years. They're like, he doesn't age. I'm like, he's playing with four, three point shooters. And if he's able to go one-on-one around the post, like, yeah, he can probably do that till he's 40 because he's too good. But when he's in this situation where, like, okay, no one's guarding KCP, no one's guarding, you know, like, make five threes, Kuzma. Like, if if Kuzma hits five, six threes, they can win, right? And then you have two big men in the middle. It's like that's not really LeBron's game at this point.
3: Totally. Well, I'm glad that you guys are seeing the same things, though, because, like – I'll be kind of picking apart some of these contenders and Golliver will come back at me and be like, look, nobody is the KD Warriors, but I don't even think they meet the, like, whoever won in 2015, the, the first Warriors title. Like right. I don't think any team this year is on that level. Um,
2: which well, that's is my excitement
3: of the field. It's not that the yeah. 2015 Warriors were that. Let level.
2: me ask you this, the, um, the 2014 Spurs or the, to a heat team that won prior do can any of these teams hang with those teams no and that's what
3: that's good
2: that's what i'm getting at i it's i don't know that any of these teams get through the heat or the spurs of like 12 13 14 or even like the thunder team who just never got over the hump but they were at times unlucky with injuries and everything. Like I, I think that thunder team might be better than any of these teams.
3: Yeah. I, I I brought up the thunder as the ultimate example, the thunder teams that never won a title. I think those thunder teams would definitely win in this bubble. Um, if you just like use a time machine, I, I, the closest call is 2011 Mavericks, 2019 Mm. Raptors. Um, and, and I, I think, both of those teams are probably underrated because of like the way right. the context in which they won. Um, and both were like really good, well oiled machines that are by the, the teams.
2: way, Raptors. If Kawhi stayed, does anyone have a shot in the bubble? Like no I mean, way. He, he walked <laughs> I, I think it's a little understated how he walked away from a dynasty there. Like they, they, they I mean, could go back for- to back, and then now we're talking about a chance of three Pete.
3: My guy Freddie Van Vliet is now like a fringe all star. Pascal Siakam took a step forward. I, I mean, that would be, and part of it, the thing that I will never understand with Kawhi, is is like, and I wrote about this when it happened, and like, I I I get wanting to use your leverage, but the Paul George trade was just such a wild overpay at the time. And he like basically was signing up to play for this team for the next three or four years and just nuking all their assets on like day one for Paul George. And we, and this isn't even a shot at Paul George. It just seems stupid. Like they took, they, they had to get rid of all the, this young talent, these picks that they could have used to like get guys in the trade market and, uh, and now they have a team that just, like, doesn't really make sense. Like, they really are leaning heavily on Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson. And, like, it seems like there had to be a better way to play this.
1: Which, by the way, if the Warriors do end up... Now, if it's Giannis, it's Giannis. But you're, the question we talk about Embiid at first, then it will be something similar to that, if for some reason Clay is gone. But even if he is there, we'd be talking about Steph, Clay, Embiid, and then a bunch of vet men guys, and then really no picks ever. For the next like three seasons to do anything, I'm, so I'm gonna it's push. a little bit different. It's a little bit different, but again, it, it is a lot of uh the Warriors got to where they've gotten by building together a team that plays together, and you're watching the Clippers. They might got they lost to a team that played Maxi Kleba, Dorian Finney Smith, and Trey hey, Dorian, Dorian Finney Bur- Smith, Burke. <laughs> they've been fine, but they're not playoff players. At least we. So I'm, gonna, seen I'm them gonna do it. I'm gonna push. But back wait, 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 but on hold up, But wait, the, but that's the problem. Is how is that even possible it's like how right. how is that even it's it's freaking it's embarrassing honestly i don't like, it, actually think the clappers
2: have a t- talent issue i think they have a major continuity mm-hmm. issue like one beverly wasn't playing today and yeah he's he's better than he gets credit for like you no, I, you good. notice it you notice how much he's missing when you're watching reggie jackson all game so <laughs> yeah. so that's part of it but I, the other I, but the, i hate I
1: reggie i hate reggie it's the worst
3: the, the other thing, though, is, like, Beverly's, I think he's, what, 31, 32 years old?
1: Sure. It's the same
2: age as... uh. Rarely
3: healthy and uh, as Hoosh. He
2: is kind of an underrated, always banged up guy.
3: Exactly. And that was all obvious on day one. And so it's like, do we really have to trade Shea now? Like, why... Oof. I, I don't know, man. I, I, that's one that I wonder whether Kawhi would want to have it back. Um, and all of these were known issues. Like the Paul George, I don't, as much as I enjoy kind of like the internet wide slander of playoff P here, who by the way gave himself that nickname like six days before getting torched by Joe Ingles and sent home. Uh, I just. Paul George, like his shoulder was screwed up in OKC and he would have like a good two month stretch and then his shot would fall apart. And like that, that was sort of like the pattern with the Thunder. Right. The weird
2: thing, the weird thing with Paul George is um, he, okay, so he was hurt most of the year, which is one of the reason the Clippers have major continuity issues. Like, yeah, they have no continuity because they didn't play together all year. (laughs) But, uh, you know, yeah when he came back i thought he was going to be one of the bigger winners indirectly with the layoff because he needed like a few months of like non-games to get himself right and he was really good in the bubble early on like if you look at his numbers he he was shooting peak paul george percentages from everywhere you can watch the games like he was really consistent and then the playoffs start, and it's just like I, I don't even think I don't, playoff p. I don't even think it's a physical thing, and I think that's scarier. It's it's to me, it comes across yeah. it comes across yeah. mental, and and that's one of those yeah. where it's like I don't know, man. I didn't see you ice your shoulder when you were going five right. for ten from three six games in a row in the bubble, and all of a sudden <laughs> you can't hit a shot when the games matter, and this huge ice pack comes out. Yeah, and I mean, that stuff's worrisome.
3: I have been a Paul George hater for, like, five or six years now. I just don't take him seriously. And he's also the type of guy that, like, a lot of basketball nerds online will try to tell you, like, you know what? Paul George should be an MVP candidate. Like, people aren't talking about him enough. Even Sam doesn't him. go that far. Yeah. Well, and, and people, like, try to put him in this tier of, like, real superstars. Like <laughs> right. Let's. Fucking take it down a notch, okay. By the way,
1: let's talk about AD there. Uh, sorry, finish and I'll do some reads. But <laughs> about all, Paul, yeah.
3: all I will say about Paul George is that he now looks so lost that I'm on the podcast with you guys, like trying to make excuses and be like, yeah, it's got to be the shoulder. Like I don't know uh, what. Yeah. And, and like it's turned to pity him so hard. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, look, he's a good player. We don't Seems have to like go nice overboard here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's where we are with Playoff P at this point Mar-
1: Markel, Markel George Alright uh, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna do some Back to back ones So NFL is almost back uh, I can't wait Personally um, So On NFL Sunday Ticket.TV, You can stream Using uh, Blue Wire Promo code You can stream Every live Out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. So no matter where you live, NFL NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key uh, to the best Sundays ever. Promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off. Oh, nice. Your subscription. Uh, 15% off. Promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, we got one more for CBD. All right, because I I just turned 29. This is bad. I'm almost at Sam's age, like 42, I believe. So I think the more, the older you get, the more, it's the harder it is, right? You get more sore, the more you work out. So tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, or just making it through every day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. I can't even, I know Sharp's laughing. I can't even see the video. (laughs) Started by Dr. Jason Worsland. TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body, relax your mind. This started with the revolutionary Theragun, oh, I have one of these, percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. So a lot of CBD products claim organic, but this one contains up to 30%. Uh, but still, sorry, but still contain up to 30% filler. These do not. TheraOne test their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic grown in the U.S. And their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. So now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners, wow, buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. Got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund at sam at bluewirepods.com. Within 30 days of purchase, this is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free. Theragun.com slash bluewire, uh, but only until Labor Day. So go right now, theragun.com slash bluewire. That's a good deal. I
2: actually, um, I want to take this to the questions. We have some good questions here. And I want want Sharp's opinion on this one from our guy, Option Zero. Loyal listener, ask some of the most poignant questions. Luke Walton, Alvin Gentry, Chelsea Lane, Travis Schlank, Jerry West, all left early in the Warriors' dynasty. What have we learned about the Warriors' system from these departures and how they've
0: fared?
3: Interesting. It's, this actually... This dovetails nicely with a question that I wanted to ask you coming out okay. of that read. So...
2: Do we feel like we need to take more CBD because of how (laughs) talent laden or how talent um, devoid the front office is? Yes.
3: Yes. uh, How beaten (laughs) and bruised you are after watching the Warriors for the last 10 months um, and having (laughs) to talk about them on the podcast. I can't imagine how many fucking lottery previews you guys. Oh, (laughs) my. You don't want to.
1: Oh, you don't. There was
2: a there was an episode where we were talking about how certain Devin Vassell highlights reminded us of Paul George. I'll just say that.
3: Great. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> well, look, it
2: was a
1: dark time.
3: As a Wizards fan, I'm right there with you on <laughs> our guy Devin. Um so I'll I'll be in the trenches working through the YouTube. Um here's my question though. In terms of like the next move, don't you feel like the Lakeups, Kirk, Kent, um Joe, they all feel like they need to go get like a Joel Embiid type guy to complete the the nucleus for the second half of the run? And knowing what you know about how the last couple of years have been under their leadership, like, would that maybe be an indictment of that model?
2: So I think it. I think it's it goes two ways. Um, that that is a great question. Um, I think part of the reason they feel that they need to get um, another superstar is there's a lot of questions about. Draymond, Draymond's um, brilliant. and to a lesser degree, clay and staff aging like they're like, Steph's 32, clay's 30 off an ACL Draymond's 400 pounds. Um, there's just like questions about what they're going to be in the second half. So I get that. I think where the indictment comes is when have they hit on a pick since Jerry West yeah. left? Like it's been a half a decade. Um, they, well, like, and, and they, don't have, they don't have much.
3: They, they... Go ahead. Sorry, I, I cut you off there. My bad.
2: No, don't worry about it. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, you are right. It, it doesn't matter when you have the team they assembled 2016 on. But now it's like, what are, we, what are we doing here? Like, we know we have three core players who you can build a contender around. But beyond that, who knows what's going on? And then um, the last thing I'd throw in there is the core players are really expensive too. You know, there's got to be some consideration for is Draymond worth 25 mil a year in his thirties as he's moving forward. They gave it to him. So.
3: (laughs) Well, and, and that is actually part of why I asked the question is I think like when you look at these teams, particularly in the West, and the teams that have like max superstars, it's like legitimately really difficult to build around teams when you when you starting with like ninety million dollars tied up in three guys. Yeah, and um, or no, it's it's more than that. Yeah, it's like Steph will probably make what forty or forty five or something.
2: The um the Warriors' three core players basically make a hundred million like
1: give or take yeah. it might be like 95 I- next year but yeah also hey. think that yeah well actually sharp go, no, ahead. go go ahead I think I think there's a part of the Warriors too that want to be I think Steve Kerr wants to be the Spurs I think he's completely content saying well let's run it back actually he wanted to run it back and said no to d like forget that let's just run it back with what we've got and I think Joe Lacob's more let's be the Lakers
3: Exactly. I think Lacob wants the big names and he, he is learning the NBA like as he goes here. And so he's learning the NBA through this KD lens and thinks that should be the goal. Yep. And I think that realistically when you look around the league and look at all these shaky teams, a big reason a lot of these teams are shaky is because they've got a lot of money tied up in two or three guys and don't know how to build the rest of the roster which is hard. Like, I think the Rockets have done a really good job actually Um, credit to Maury, but they, but like, I wouldn't look at them and be like, that's something we should replicate. I would look at teams that have like a couple max guys, but that like the, the Raptors and Celtics granted all their guys are younger, but they like, That's the balance that I would be trying to chase if I were the Warriors. And I don't know if the Lakers are smart enough to do that.
2: So that's that's what I think they want to do. They think they can do because I think (laughs) we both agree getting another superstar means having young team-controlled players or picks, right, that are good, not just having them, not just being like, I have Jordan Poole. Like, no, they have to actually be good. Andy, is your mic messed up? I don't know just want to use doing this. Um,
3: um it doesn't I, matter. I think mine's good, but you're you just cut out for a second.
2: Okay. Yeah, you did. All right. Well, anyway, let me get back to my point here. Um, they, I think they want to play both sides, and one that's hard to do. But ultimately, it, it, to me, it still comes back to the talent scouting and development question because quite frankly if they could scout and develop like toronto then then they would have options then they could either decide to make the big move because they have three to four young players every team would like or they could decide no we're good we're keeping our team together because it fits together in a way that makes more sense and so that's where my real question with them comes do i trust them to scout do i trust them to develop? And I don't know the answer to that. This year didn't tell me anything. This year told me uh, Eric Paschal is a nice little find, but like Eric Paschal alone is not changing your franchise. Uh, Jordan Poole was a mess up and the smile of each thing was an egregious matchup in my opinion. Um, and I've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast. But to me, that one is why I'm not confident in their ability because they, they literally couldn't keep their mouth shut to the point where like David Griffin's like, "Ah, I'm just going to get a couple free picks by doing this.
3: Yeah. And I think what I worry about is that whoever, if they trade Dre for like a real superstar, a real top 10, top 15 guy, actually, no, if it's a top 10 guy, like you go do it. Um, If it's Embiid or Simmons, some of these guys would like kind of nebulous like value relative to the other all NBA guys. Sure, i I think that um, you just to me like you you're going to end up paying those guys like thirty five a year versus Draymond's twenty five, yeah. and and it, you you may have more flexibility to get some of those middle tier like a Kelly Oubre or um, oh a,
1: they they a, talked about that
3: yeah, yeah. or, or like, I think signing guys around the edges might just be a more effective approach, and it it might be something that like the rest of the league hasn't quite caught on to that yet. That like the idea of chasing that super team is not actually like the most effective model for building like perennial title contenders anymore. Wow.
1: The zag to the zig. That's what Sharp's saying
3: a little bit. And I I feel like someone like Jerry West or whoever in that front office would probably sense that. Whereas I think like, the Lacob family—they may be more likely to just be like, "Well, we're going to use the blueprint from four years ago and right. run it back."
1: Well, the, then because the, the well, the Warriors won that first championship by doing what you're saying, right? It is—it is, it was building around the edges. I guess Andre Godal is not really around the edges, but Sean Livingston and and those role players, Leandro Barbosa. But okay, but to the, to today's NBA, then wouldn't you like it would be nice to prove that case if the Toronto Raptors had won or the Milwaukee Bucks? Are going to win the championship, right? Or the Houston Rockets? It does feel a little cheap. Uh, I don't know about cheap, but it does feel a little ugly if it's like the Clippers winning a title this season, right? Or, or a team like that where it's just like I'm watching Utah and Denver right now, and I'm like, eh, like they're, they're fun. Like they're, they're they've played together. I just don't think either of them are very good, but.
3: I mean Denver is just like <laughs> amazingly soft. <laughs> and I, I like all those guys, but uh, like some uh, of the defensive possessions they give up uh are, are just really rough. Um they just, no,
1: both teams don't really make sense, but yeah. <laughs> your
3: your point is good though. It I this is something that I'm wondering. It's not something that I like confidently believe, but when I try to explain why, like, you know, like the Lakers have LeBron and AD and zero flexibility to build around them. And right. I, I mean, the Danny Green contract is like that. They gave him $15 million because they had no other options to add someone. <laughs> and- By
2: the way, does Danny Green only play well against the Warriors? Because he's been pretty Very mediocre odd. all year. But like this goes back to the Spurs days. He's always played well against the Warriors.
3: Yeah. And I I like Danny green, but he's not someone like when they signed him, I was like, well, good luck with that. Like if you actually look at his regular season numbers, his finals probably got him like an extra like six or $7 million.
2: Right. (laughs) And being LeBron's friend, that's always gonna get you a couple extra bucks.
3: I mean, deep in your heart, do you think the warriors would have won that series if clay never gets hurt?
2: Of course. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, well, okay, so it's a it's given. It's if karma K- too. If KD Love never goes down, they win. But without KD, I, no one's convincing me they don't win Game Six if Clay doesn't get hurt. They're not. Yeah. They were going to win that game, and then it's a pick'em in a Game Seven, and they wouldn't have been shook because they've been there. Kawhi, would, Kawhi, Kawhi, wouldn't have been, Kawhi wouldn't have been shook, but Kawhi was kind of limping around that whole yeah. series, too. The funny thing about Kawhi that series was he had the most important stretch in Game 4 where he just basically owned the Warriors for the second half to turn it from yeah. 2-1 to 3-1. But other than that, he was... It wasn't bad or anything, but he, he just looked hurt. Right. right. The he, whole yeah.
3: series. it, 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 it like... The other thing that people forget about that series is the KD injury was so dramatic and emotional that it overshadowed how insane Steph and Clay were for the final five minutes of game five.
2: Well, I mean, you know, you know, the rule If Steph ever plays well in crunch time. We have to immediately delete the tapes because he's not, he doesn't show up when it matters. That's the narrative. He's just like, he's just, he's playoff P basically.
3: So. Yeah, I mean it. It was pretty awesome as it happened, and it's been unfairly lost to time. But he's going to have the opportunity to come back and silence a lot of the skeptics here. I, like, I, I do. Lillard is the guy.
1: I. I yeah, we're not going to actually. I don't. I'd rather not. I, I want to talk Lakers, but I, now I understand where you're coming from, though, Sharp. As as a stepstand, you do want to see. You do want to see them run it back. 2014-15 style I, I think I now understand where you're coming from
3: I I think it's smarter than like betting the farm on Philly's fraud superstars um, and <laughs> I also yeah one of, one partially of them partially it.
2: one of them gets more stomach flus than any human on earth and then the yeah. other the other one just refuses to work on his jump shot so
3: look like ben simmons's first good playoff game will happen what like 2023 2024 i don't know maybe the warriors are gonna find out
2: i don't know it's hard to say i want to ask you this all right so let's take everyone loves to talk about the superstar signings so let's assume none of that happens which is still the far most likely scenario particularly with no one knowing when next season will start like i just i have a hard time seeing like Okay, we're going to start next season, and then Milwaukee be like, "All right, we got to trade Giannis tomorrow." Now, you know, like that's not a realistic scenario. So you're you're looking at the Warriors now. They have a mid-level exception. They have a traded player exception. Who would you target to fill out this roster? We're talking marginal moves here. What are you looking? Mm. What would you look at that you would feel confident that you like this team's chances going
3: into next year? Oh. That's a tough one. Now that I'm a lawyer, I'm not actively like pro- mining the potential like mid level trade nice acquisitions. Flex, <laughs> nice flex, nice um, flex. I would say uh, I that's do a- like the Oubre idea. As insane as it sounds, I think that he could help them. Gasol, I uh, was thrown out as a potential Warriors yeah uh, option.
1: Every podcast.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, he's it, Steve Kerr's
2: amazing. dream player.
3: Yeah, and I think that like guys like that whether it's overqualified veterans who are willing to take less or some of the young guys with athleticism because that's the one thing the one thing that gave me pause picking the warriors to go win the bubble in my like hypothetical is that they just are really thin on the wings and they right. lack athleticism kind of across the roster. Like they it would be a good idea for them to try and bring back Glenn Robinson, the third as like a 10th man type. Right. Um, And so that should be their priorities as they, as they like approach the offseason here. What is
1: your Kelly Oubre take? I, now I need to know. Now I'm just very curious.
3: I have no idea what to make of Oubre. I mean,
2: you've watched more Oubre than pretty much anyone I know just by proxy of him being a wizard for so long. Oh uh, my
3: god, I'm sure I've watched more Ubre than ninety-eight percent of the public. <laughs> yeah, like, like the basketball public. I'm sort of an Ubre expert, but I, as I as I say that, I will say that like I thought that guy sucked when he left DC. Yeah. And then I would watch Sun's games this year and I'd be like, well, You mean he could shoot now? And like he seems to give a shit. He's not like, he was just sort of a head case uh, throughout right. his time in D.C., and he was more locked in this year. So, like, I don't know whether that's an an aberration. There also seem to be some weird things going on with him and, like, the Suns coaching staff, so maybe that's a red flag. Right. But um, I I think that, like, athletic guys with a little bit of upside and a chance to, like, outperform their number is who the – First of all, that's who the entire league is going. Yeah, for. yeah, everyone's
2: everyone's looking for the $20 million production for 5 million salary.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that like and I I don't know if I trust the Warriors front office to be smart enough to actually identify those guys, but that's who they should be chasing.
2: Well, Ubre is interesting because um going into next year, we know that some of the uh more frugal teams are going to be looking to cut costs and uh, our friend Robert mm. Sarver certainly has a reputation like that. So um, beyond the fact that they played really well without him, he seems like an obvious candidate for them to trade to save salary if that's the route they want to go. And I'm I'm just trying to figure him out. Like he – can he defend? I can't quite tell. Like he has – He
1: seems like he should. He has moments. He
2: certainly tries hard. Or at least fakes it. Does I he, can't tell. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's he, <laughs> long.
2: He, he he uh he, he scowls a lot. I mean
3: Yeah. Well <laughs> here's the thing. He was less lost in Phoenix, but he is not a good defender. Um he's the type of he is the Westbrook type defender who Christ. will like slap the floor and and kind of like Pick his guy up like three feet over half court and be like, I'm locking you down. To make a <laughs> statement. Yeah. yeah. And oh, so just make God. a
2: point that he has to just shut down Ricky Rubio for no reason, even though it doesn't help him win.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, Josh Richardson is another guy who's been thrown out with the Warriors a bunch. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about him. I think he's, like, a more dependable defender. He's a better and, player. <laughs> yeah, and and he has looked awful in Philly, but yeah. I think that shouldn't be held against him. Because but
2: he of- looked excellent, and um, ec- excellent's probably strong, but he looked, like, very productive for majority of his Miami tenure, and Miami's obviously – known for their culture but like if you believe in Kerr and kind of what the Warriors have going on a player like Josh Richardson should be his best self on the Warriors
3: agreed yeah. and, and he can guard and he will get in people's jersey and like that's the Warriors have other guys who can score and right if he just sort of like plays a really narrow role that's that's a win where you're like Marquis Chris trust levels right now.
2: Oh boy. Fine off the bench. <laughs> I'm actually so the I mean, beyond the fact that Marcus all pretty much checks every box for what the Warriors want a center to do. Um I think I think you kind of nailed it. They need wing defense and then they need a starting center. And this is kind of where I go backwards on Wiseman a little bit cuz I don't think Wiseman will be a starting center next year. And so they still have to check that box in free agency one way or another. Now it would be great for Wiseman if they get like someone as good as Gasol because then he can develop at his own pace. But to your point on Marquise Chris, yeah, if they get a starting caliber center, I'm totally fine with him and Looney as the backups off the the bench. They both do different things. If you want kind of the offensive guy who's going to catch a bunch of lobs and kind of change the energy you put in Marquise Chris – you need the more reliable defender you put in Looney. um i'm fine with him that way if if you're telling me that marquise chris is the starter next year i'm gonna be very mad <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah no that sounds about right I, that's the only other question is like all right so what which big man do you really trust and with the the wise pick if they draft him they should draft him for the reasons that we talked about like 40 minutes ago like that guy will probably retain good trade value through the first two years of his career. And so they can kind of stay flexible. Um, whereas some of these other guys who, who the hell. Yeah. Well, say? I mean, I
2: mean, and if he plays so well that you're like, I don't, I need to figure out how to get him more minutes then like, that's a good problem to have. There are worse sure. things than him overperforming.
3: Yeah. I agree with that.
1: You got a more question, Sam?
2: I want to I- do
3: a,
1: While you look them up, I want to do Lakers for, like, five minutes.
3: (laughs) Go for it.
1: Because that series or just that team is – like, Sharp, what's your, like, well, I mean, I guess I kind of know them. But for the Light Years listeners, I am curious because is this a team that we do feel is kind of – because I felt like they had great chemistry in the regular season. I thought they were a fun watch, actually. People are going to hate that. But so far in the bubble, they've been – it's been tough. Like, I, I can't tell if they should still be the favorites. They're also not that fun to watch anymore. They can't shoot. Um, I, I just don't know what to think of them. But then I look at the rest of the West, and I'm like, well, shit. You know, I kind of like Houston, but then but then James Harden, James Harden, Chris oh, yeah. Paul, Chris Paul, and <laughs> now that's a series. So I really don't know what to think about, really, the, West, the whole Western Conference at this point.
3: Yeah, it, it's – tough to figure out i picked the thunder to beat the rockets mostly out of cp3 loyalty and then i picked them to beat the lakers because i think like the lakers will struggle with that three guard lineup yeah and okc can play adams comfortably against what la is bringing to the table um and it would actually be like a pretty close series in in my eyes lakers houston I just think that AD is such a big advantage in that matchup over seven games. Like I think Houston may be able to kind of throw them off at the start, but they will kind of settle into a rhythm and crack the code a little bit. Um, my, My overarching thought with the Lakers is that they were fun to watch, surprisingly so, throughout the regular season. And they were able to just sort of outwork teams and they play really good defense, got out in transition and made the games easy that way. And I don't know if you can do that in the playoffs against really good teams. Like the bucks are having the same problem where a lot of this stuff boils down to like what you can do in the half court and who you have that can like create a shot when shit gets tough. And the Lakers like, I think that they their defense is going to keep all these matchups pretty close but I don't know if you trust AD at the end of games and I don't and know if you That's the trust big Ron. question. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think yeah. my question is is AD it's not a PG thing. Like I don't see it as like a like he's PG, he may vanish, but with Anthony Davis, I'm watching that last Blazers game and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I, "Is this a top 5 guy?" cuz there was a lot of top 5 AD talk. I feel like you got to kind of prove it first
3: that's the thing you and you can move him off his spot and like get him out to like seventeen right. feet. And he doesn't really have a counter. He'll just yeah. start not taking KD. jumpers from 17 feet. Right. And, and like, right. he can sometimes hit those, but like,
2: that was, that was not. my whole thing with the, with game three yeah. of that series. People are like, Oh, he played so well in the second half. I'm like, I don't know, man, if I'm Portland, I'm okay with him taking 15 mid range jumpers. If he's going to hit like 11 out of 15 yeah. or something ridiculous like that, like, by all means, but uh, he's much more terrifying when he's destroying the rim and getting 15 right. free throw attempts because you keep fouling him.
3: Well, and it's interesting because the, he did that against the Clippers when they played a few weeks ago, too. Right. And he was just hitting everything. And to be very clear, if he's that guy, like in some of these do or die games for the Lakers, like the Lakers will probably win the title. Um, right. Right. I, I, so if I he's Kevin, if he's
1: that. Kevin Durant, if he's Kevin Durant, yeah, exactly. exactly. If he's Kevin
3: Durant, they'll win. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and I, I just don't know if he can actually like put that together for the next six weeks. Yeah. I have a separate question, though. Actually, while we're talking Lakers, go for it. If we do have a Lakers-Rockets series, will you be ready to stand out for Harden? Is this like an enemy of the oh, yeah. enemy thing? <laughs> And are oh, you gonna become Rockets fans?
1: I've 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 been a Rockets fan when the bubble started. I picked the Rockets to win the title just because it would just be the <laughs> the perfect it isn't like think about it, right? If you really think it, it's it is the perfect team to win the title when the Warriors aren't playing. Yeah. Um, and also just outside of the trolling bullshit, they look fantastic. Let's I'm gonna take out yesterday's game. Although they look good for a half. They look fantastic as a team. They play together. They know their system. And if if there was ever an opportunity for James Harden to like not really tire out, but really ball out against a team that isn't that great, like doesn't have Klay Thompson, Andre Godala, Kevin Durant, and Kevon Looney that has to tire him out throughout the series, I think it's the bubble. And we we should probably talk about the AAU open run vibe of the bubble, but that just fits perfectly to the Houston Rockets.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you that when they look good, they look better than anybody in the league right now uh, because they just start hitting from everywhere. Like Eric Gordon starts hitting shots, and and like I, I also think Russ was really good. As much as you guys have hated on Russ for the last, like, no, this four is years. a perfect
2: situation for him, and it actually brings <laughs> up a Classic. It brings up a more interesting question on the value of spacing because like they're. I mean, of course Russ is unguardable when there's no one inside. Like, he can do exactly what he's good at. And I think Daryl Morey probably deserves credit for going all in on this. I I just wonder, like, the way I see the Lakers series going against the Rockets is by, it'll be 2-2, and then P.J. Tucker and Covington's legs will just start giving out. Because yes. you're asking them to physically do something which they're capable of in spurts, but like it's a lot of it's a lot of Dwight Howard and Javale jumping on your back all game.
3: I, I mean, I think the Plus Rockets, LeBron, of course, <laughs> the Rockets losing Game Three to OKC, in which. At the end of that game, they apparently had just a total meltdown on the sidelines. Like You could see some of it on TV where Glossy. D'Antoni was clearly trying to get ejected. But Gulliver was down there and was just like, these guys are wigging out and are very pissed off about the officiating. And, we're just... and I actually understand why they would be angry because finishing that series in four or five games makes their lives a lot easier for right. exactly the reason you mentioned. because. Even at the end of the regular season, seven months ago, whenever that was, like they were starting to kind of wear down, and I think that's sort of the fatal flaw in the the yeah.
2: blueprint. Well, it's a, it's a reason other teams here. don't play this way the whole way. It's like we 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 saw it for the last five years with Draymond. We yeah. knew Dr- Draymond was the best center on the roster, and it was frustrating at times how long Kerr would wait to go to it. But at the flip, at the, uh, on the flip side, you're like right. I don't know. Draymond's body's breaking down. Now you want him to guard like Steven Adams, Rudy Gobert, and whoever like 40 minutes a game, every game. Like it's not realistic either.
3: The other thing is, is like PJ Tucker's awesome. I've been a PJ Tucker guy for many years, but he's not Draymond. Like Draymond at his peak was like the best defensive player on earth and could protect the rim and do all kinds of crazy shit that, that like, they the Rockets have serviceable guys, but they don't have a defensive free safety who's just like wreaking havoc at all times. Although, yeah, although I mean, P, it's although it's, AD
1: trying to back down PJ would be pretty funny because there's just no chance. That's the
2: other thing. Um, PJ Tucker and Draymond guard AD better than anyone, yeah. and I don't care yeah. what AD's numbers are. You watch the film, the amount of possessions he just passes. I test. Because- because I no, I I'm loved
3: not. that quote too. I <laughs> test. Oh, uh, so good. But you're but right, it's, uh, Sam. I agree. It's Don't true tell though. Like about the numbers. Watch the film, kids. Watch the fucking film.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm falling it's a, I'm just getting a lot of Ricky G in my life these days. So <laughs> But uh, but it's just like uh, I mean, you just watch them and they it, it, it's literally like, you know, old Hoosiers coaching stuff where it's like get their legs into him and push him off his spot. And then he doesn't touch the ball, that possession. And then you see Twitter wigging out. They're like, why don't they pass the ball to AD?" I'm like, why doesn't AD work for the ball more? Maybe. <laughs> well,
3: I, that's another thing that was smart with this Rockets plan is I think that they – hold on. Did I cut out for a second there?
1: No, you're good. No, you're good. No, you're oh, okay, good. Okay,
3: cool. Um, I think that they – bet on the rest of the league, no longer having any idea how to throw entry passes. And even the big guys like don't really post up anymore. Like that's not something Anthony right. Davis has ever practiced or done regularly. So teams, they may have these massive mismatches, but like guys just don't know how to capitalize on that anymore. Um, and that works to the Rockets advantage in a big way. Like I don't trust AD. Yeah. If you're throwing him the ball in the post, I don't trust him to make it worth your while over the course of, like, a couple games.
1: That's that's how they almost beat the Warriors twice. Like, uh, yeah. because because it was just... Uh, Katie just wanted the ball, and he wanted to do his little whatever the fuck he was doing, and it ju- just slowed down the offense every time. And that's why... You, and, and you get points, and you get buckets, and you get a lot of counting stats, but at the end of the day, it's a four-point game with a minute left, and it's like, well, this probably shouldn't really be that close. Um, and, yeah, but the, the other flip side of that is... Is you watch the Warriors against the Rockets and James Harden's quote unquote exhausted throwing balls out of bounds <laughs> and, and you're like okay well and then over yeah. twenty seven and all of that so yeah there's a lot of that I but then the, the then I'm just thinking about it and the Lakers who's guarding James Harden
3: it's <laughs> like, bigger question who's guarding sort of Russ talking, you're sort of talking me into the Rockets here in large part because I I don't know if I trust AD um, yeah AD maybe.
1: is the biggest question it, like I I feel like we people don't question that enough because right. he's he's a clutch guy. So, you know, that just doesn't get talked
3: about enough. It, well, and look Harden also still has a lot of questions to answer. Like he has not really come through when it mattered at any point in his career. He's an amazing regular season player, um, but he's now struggling against Dort who's a phenomenal defender. So like it's no shots, but I just, I do want to see him actually kind of come through and put it together before I get too excited about (laughs) what they can do
2: yeah all right should we end it there i think we should end it there it's been a nice solid i could i could have talked
1: i I could have talked to robert Covington and daniel house more sam no but we're good <laughs> sharp <laughs> i know it's like wow it's like 10 30 your time so no no um, you know
3: what it's appropriate to end with some nice heart and hate at the end of the <laughs> podcast yeah i feel like this time well no at this point in the playoffs last year you guys were getting ready to go to war and look, <sighs> I wish we could just relive Steph in Houston ending their season. That was probably the most satisfying NBA game I've watched in like three or four years. But um, alas, next year.
1: Yeah. No. they got Dame now, so it's like the same thing. So. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Thank you.
3: Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you, Sharp. We appreciate you. We'll get you
2: on when the Warriors trade for Embiid, Simmons, or Giannis. Oh,
3: yes, God. Yeah, you guys are going <laughs> to love Ben Simmons. Take it easy, right? Later. (laughs) Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day and all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.